Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for each one of you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Sharing his time with us today on the podcast is a man who truly encompasses the archetype of the leader in each endeavor he takes on in life. He is a martial artist, enthusiast, and instructor, holding certifications in styles such as Krav Maga, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, and Balintawak, a combat-focused shooting instructor, and defensive firearms coach under the ICE Training Company, a certified language and story work coach, and last but definitely not least, the owner and head instructor of Endeavor Defense and Fitness, which seeks to build strength and confidence into the community through coaching and mentorship. Please help me in giving a huge, warm welcome to Mr. Aaron Gennetti. What's up, Aaron? Uh, how are you today, sir? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Like I was saying right before we started, I mean, your background is so extensive. Um, it was one of the easiest intros I've ever written because it was just like, what 10 things of the 80 things you've done do I want to put in there? <laughs> well, thank you for that. I, uh, I, I, I take great pride in that, man. I've had a I've had an amazing life, and uh, I've I've been put on an amazing journey, and loved every minute of it. So, yeah, I soak up jumping into to anything that anything that lights my fire. I like diving headfirst into it, and uh, and then sharing it with others. So, absolutely, <laughs> it, man, it, it makes and, it fun. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of sharing it with others, you know, as we normally do on the show, I'd love to if you could give the audience some background info on who you are and how you got mm-hmm. to where you are today. Yeah, perfect. Um, so uh, as far as who I am, there is a philosophical answer to all of that, obviously. Uh, but um, <laughs> overall, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a father, I'm a teacher, I'm a business owner, um, husband. That's the, that's the core of everything. I love, I love learning. I love teaching. Um, I have an amazing family. I have two beautiful kids. I have an incredible wife. Um, and primarily from a, a professional standpoint, I teach self-defense, strength conditioning. Um, I do story work, um, personal development. My big thing right now is I'm actually uh, working on getting more into the world of the self-defense industry and teaching them how to approach life with language, communication, breath work, um, and all that type stuff. So though my background is extensively, uh, at least on paper, in the physical arts um, fighting, teaching, things like that. And I absolutely love doing those. And I still do. Uh, my, my biggest passion lately is helping gym owners and coaches learn the language game, uh, understand story work and how to genuinely impact people's lives in the way that we all imagine we're doing when we get into the self-defense world. Uh, however, we often end up kind of, uh, in my experience, overshadowing it simply with flashy techniques and, and terrible workouts. <laughs> so, so that's the, that's the mission statement, the drive behind the man. Uh, you know, we could, we could talk a very, very long time, but I think the biggest thing, man, uh, how I got here, um, when I found Krav Maga, which was the original, uh, system that got me into this world, um, I was in a, uh, an interestingly dark place, um, and I found myself at a crossroads, I would say. Um, I was paying my way through college. My grandfather had recently passed away, and um, he was the father figure in my life. Um, just got out of a really bad breakup. So, I, you know, for, for 20 years old, the world was crushing down around me, or at least the way I viewed it. And um, 
uh, I was in a pretty shitty spot. I wasn't going to be able to pay my way through college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with life. And I, I happened to see a commercial for a Krav Maga gym locally and uh, showed up, was uh, overtaken by what I was being learned. It was like the first time I felt like I was where I was supposed to be. Um, and so I handed them a check with money that I'm pretty sure wasn't in my bank account at the time. And, uh, and I never left. And that was February 6, 2008. Um, and that was Ohio Crowd Maga Fitness. And uh, I kind of, not kind of, I jumped head first into that. Um, by the end of 2008, I had opened up another facility. By the beginning of 2009, I had dropped out of uh, college, quit my job, and was running a, f a facility full-time, and I've been doing it full-time ever since. So I had a, a very spiritual awakening at, a, at a, a young enough age, thankfully, that I found a, a direction I could really commit my life to and, uh, and have been following that ever since and sharing that passion with others. So That's awesome, man. That's, you know, it's really interesting to me, too, how in some of those, you know, quote unquote, dark nights of the soul is when our one will really revealed what we're supposed to do. And it's funny how, like you said, you know, you wrote that check with money that you probably thought was not even in there. And it just reminds me of kind of the entrepreneurial journey I've been on, too, which is, you know, it's never going to feel like the exact right thing, but you just have mm. to take risks and you have to just take the first step. And like seemingly out of thin air, the second step will appear. And Amen. so while looking into your background, you know, obviously, like you mentioned, you know, you're a certified black belt and trainer in Krav Maga. Um, you know, I know we touched on a little bit already, but, you know, was there a particular reason you decided to stick with that style after you found it? I know you said that once you got there, you just felt like they, it clicked. What made it feel like it clicked so much with you? Because I have a lot of friends that are into, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I have some that are Muay Thai. But Krav Maga is one that I've been interested in for a long time, too. But it's not as popular as some of the other ones. So was there something mm. that stuck out to you about that style over others? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, there's, there's actually two questions in there. Um, the one being, uh, you know, what stuck out about Krav Maga specifically and the i had looked it, it's a great question because i had actually looked at other facilities in columbus i was looking at a hapkido gym um i looked at uh, a thai boxing gym downtown um and i landed on krav maga specifically because of the the focus on self-defense I, I you know i had done martial arts younger uh you know more traditional karate for kids type stuff um and the the idea like I had zero interest at the time in sport, you know, I, I really wanted self-defense and to be completely honest, watching, I was watching actually fight quest when I saw the commercial, which is, which is an old show on, um, on spike. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was the Krav Maga episode. So you talk about good marketing and placement of a commercial, <laughs> right? But, uh, the, a part of me, if I'm being completely honest was, very severely intrigued at the fact that it was really just about like brutal, fast aggression, um, get in, get out, protect yourself. And I imagine looking back on it now, I imagine that was exactly what I felt I needed. Like I was a pissed off, angry, uh, lost, you know, 20 year old kid and I needed an outlet. So I was either going to go fight people, um, involuntarily or <laughs> I, or I should find a place to fight people voluntarily. And so the, I was intrigued by violence, um, it, it, from a, from a defensive standpoint, like taking care of yourself. And I also needed an outlet for aggression. So I, I would say that's the biggest thing that jumped out to me. Um, 
why I stayed, if I'm being completely honest, was more about the people there. Um, the bonds I built in surrounding myself with a supportive community of people. Um, you know, Mark Slane was my first, what I would consider mentor. He really took me under his wing. Um, he figured out about like 30 days into it that I had no money, <laughs> but, but that I also needed to be there. Um, and so I'm, if I remember correctly, I, I may have paid for two months there before he told me like, Hey man, I know you can't afford this. And so are you interested in coaching? Yes cool then i'll stop paying and i'll i'll raise you as a coach oh awesome um so he bought me my first gi he paid for all of my certifications you know the first probably like two years um so the the i was surrounded by a community of people that were i had good friends and yet i imagine some people listen to this and i imagine you have where I love those people i still have those friends um um, some of them are very very still tight to me however this new group of people were pursuing something I, I, I knew deep down I needed or wanted that I wasn't getting from my other group of friends. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that was at the time. Now, you know, fast forward 12 years later, um, you know, it was, it was actual, you know, development. It was actually like setting a goal and going after something. It wasn't just having fun drinking and, uh, you know, chasing women essentially. So, uh, that if i'm being completely honest and you'll find this in the martial arts industry in general the atmosphere of the facility will will really tailor how long a person stays in my opinion more so than the art itself the art is what gets you through the door the marketing is what gets you through the door but whether somebody sticks to it long term how well they do and what they do to turn into that in in my experience comes down to the atmosphere and the community and you know we've seen this in crossfit um you know we've seen this in martial arts for a very long time um however that's what kept me there like i needed those people um to to guide me through what was that rough patch in my life yeah and i could not agree more with you that you know i have a wide diversity of friends as well and certain ones fulfill certain things for me certain ones fulfill others but I do agree there was a certain point and that's what the cannabis community was for me it was a group of people that were really motivated to help one another and to help others and to be in service or be of service and you know then that kind of transitioned as well into now me coaching and you know now becoming part of the Enlifted community um, and the you know Paul Checks community with the holistic lifestyle coaching And, you know, one thing I've learned in my own life with my hobbies and my passions is that they have a way of not only allowing us to dig deep and find out who we truly are, but they also teach us lessons. What are some of the most memorable lessons you've learned from martial arts and self-defense in particular, considering that was your outlet, that was your community that you got started with and really helped you evolve a lot from the sounds of it? Yeah, um, man, that's a phenomenal question. Thanks, man. I um, <laughs> I love I love I love good questions. That's my one line that you know somebody will be like, hey, I got a question. I go, I love questions. And that's like always my response. I I yeah. genuinely do. I love when people ask them and, and good ones especially. Me too. Um, I, you know, it, it's I I can imagine we've all learned countless lessons when we allow ourselves to to recognize them. Um, mm-hmm. From martial arts specifically, I would say the one thing that has stuck out to me, and I, and I learned this early on, I got my black belt in my first black belt in Krav Maga in 2010. And after I got my black belt, I mean, you got to imagine anybody who knows anything about Krav Maga, especially a decade ago, mm-hmm. it was a, it was it was for the tough. Um, there were there weren't. <laughs> 
you know, it, it was marketed very well to everyone, quote unquote. I'm using air quotes that you can't see. <laughs> um, however, if if you if you had any intentions of making it past, you know, the second belt or level, depending on what organization you were with, uh, there was a a bit of physical abuse there, um, and you had to be a little bit of a, a sadistic bastard to want to get past it. And so you, you got to put yourself in this situation. I had a separated shoulder going into my black belt test. Uh, our black belt test was just under seven hours. We had uh, multiple dedicated training partners and pad holders so that we never got to take a break. Um, and and it, it was rough. Uh, <laughs> and so you, you you get through something like that, and and you know, again, to keep in mind, I'm I'm in my 20s at this time, so I'm 23 when I took my first black belt test. So I got a little bit of an ego. Uh, I'm an Italian from Youngstown, so I got a little ego behind me. I just got uh, um, went through hell for seven hours, and crushed it with one arm. <laughs> right. Awesome, so, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So I'm, you know, it's, you have this, there's a mixture of emotions. You have this amazing sense of accomplishment. Um, you have this amazing camaraderie with, with, uh, specifically the two people I went through that test with, which through hell and high water, uh, they'll, they'll be my, you know, tight people forever. And, and then there's this little bit of like pat on the back, like, hell yeah, I scored, you know, higher than anybody else with one arm, blah, 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 that type of shit. And where this lesson is coming in, uh, is the first, uh, the first thing, one of the, well, one of the first conversations I had with, with my mentor, Mark Slain after that was like, all right, cool. So let's look at second degree and, and what else you're going to learn. And that lesson was like, you know, Hey, take a moment enjoy the hell out of this this is an amazing accomplishment you got it you still don't know shit mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that was this this idea that there's always evolution there's always room to grow there's always you know you're you're i hate saying the term limited by your experience mm -hmm. um because obviously we all have a limited amount of experience everything we've got however there's always a growth opportunity. There's always a place in where you can continue to become, you know, a better version of yourself. And it was always given to me in a, in a more positive light. You know, there's the, you know, Hey, good job. Now what's next. Don't bother being satisfied way to approach it, which beats the hell out of people. And then there's the man, that's phenomenal. That's awesome. Look at everything you've accomplished and, and how cool is it going to be when you, you know, the next year, what else can you accomplish? What other cool things can you get into? And that was a, that was a big lesson for me because at the time I had set my sights on black belt and, and it, it, I imagine looking back, you know, at that young age going like, that's it, that's Mecca. If I'm a black belt in Krav Maga, you know, at the time there was, I don't know the exact numbers. I'm going to totally make some shit up, but there weren't a lot of black belts in Krav Maga at the time. And so it's like, yeah, man, that's like, that's it. And then you get there and for the guy that that really pushed you and trained you and took you under his wing to get you there to then look at you and be like, man, that's so awesome. You know, you're you're phenomenal. You're one of the best practitioners I've ever seen. Um, you know, you're incredible at this. You know, I'm excited to look at what's next and to be like, wait a minute, there's that next. <laughs> um, and so that was a cool place. And he was Mark did a really good job of of reinforcing that idea, which was you should be very proud of everything you've done. 
And yet, it, you know, if you're going to be as great as you know you can be, then remember that it's continual practice, continually learning, continually evolving. And he was really good about pointing us in the direction to do that. And that's why if you look at my background, that's why I spent so much time with uh, um, Thai boxing and, and doing private lessons in boxing and learning firearms and, and training Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you know, lately, if you look at it, getting into the language and story work game and, um, you know, mace work, I've been spending a ton of time with, you know, exploring the mace community. And, uh, yeah, it's just that idea that there's always, there's always cool shit to learn. And the more you can expose yourself to the better version of yourself, you can show up as a coach, especially for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that would be the, the biggest one I, I, I am, I imagine that hit me early on um, and has still rung true would be a really big lesson. And then if I had to put another one on top of that, man, it's um, – I, I mean you know this or I imagine you know this. Go, my first exposure to what was Procabulary at the time uh, before Enlifted ever even dropped, I think, mm -hmm. uh, the lessons I have learned about what's going on inside of each of our heads – and the importance of language and story work and connections, you know, the last 18 months uh, has the understanding and deep diving into that and putting it into practice has impacted my ability to be a, uh, a better version of myself, uh, you know, a better father, a better husband, um, you know, a better coach, a better business owner, a better leader in in ways i wouldn't have even imagined it at first um and now i now it makes total sense and now i sit back and go like holy shit i want more of this um <laughs> so that's the next one man uh, the the big one that's been hitting me most recently is this just how powerful our language and our thoughts and our stories are and how they impact our lives um massively yeah dude i could not agree more and you know, speaking to the first lesson you learned, I learned that lesson as well with guitar and also with fitness too, because I was constantly, you know, okay, the next goal, okay, the next goal. And what ended up happening was I started realizing exactly what you realized, which was there's a moment where you reach that goal and you feel great. And the next day you're like, what next, you know? So one thing that I've really tried to encompass in every aspect of my life since that time period is just enjoying the journey, you know, because right. the journey truly is the destination. And, you know, it's funny, like, I talk about this all the time, how, you know, we're kind of numb to the things that make the most sense in the world. Like, you yeah. hear, like, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the journey. And it's like, yeah, enjoy the journey, whatever. But, like, it's, if you actually, again, speaking the language, if you actually, you know, take a second to look at those words and understand them on a fundamental level, you know, they resonate so highly with the human condition because, mm -hmm. you know, I've internalized so much over the years and that's where vocabulary has really helped me as well because for so long, you know, since my anxiety quote unquote diagnosis at 13, which I then built a whole identity around, you know, um, uh, unconsciously, you know, I internalized so much and thought that I was the only one that felt that way, you know, mm. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's again, part of the human condition, but you know, being is how fitness and martial arts go hand in hand. And I know you and I are both huge into fitness. Um, how has your work as a CrossFit trainer allowed you to be a better martial artist and vice versa? Because I, I assume they build on one another. Yes. Uh, yes. Another another phenomenal question, my friend. Um, yeah. Uh, so 
the the one thing I usually tell people, so Endeavor Defense and Fitness is, um, you know, we joke around. It's it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, East and West Germany back in the day. Like we have we're broken into two sections. You have the hardcore fighters, you have the hardcore strength conditioning people, and then uh, uh, and then you know you have the ones that are are jumping back and forth. You know that are are infiltrating both sides of things, and. Uh, it's it's incredible how much the two go together hand in hand because the lessons you're going to learn uh, mixture wise on both sides about um, you know knowing the difference between training and testing like how do I build skill and build my body up and then what's the difference between testing which is an askew area that shows up oftentimes in both sides everybody feels like they need to be constantly abusing themselves you know instead of um, training to actually build their body and work towards a certain thing. You have the, uh, the, the amazing moments of, wow, I, I, I achieved this goal that previously I could have never thought I could do. Um, you know, on the fight side, it might be a way that you participate in a sparring round or it might be completing a test. Or on the, on the fitness side or the CrossFit side, it may be, you know, a PR on a lift or a PR on a workout or doing a handstand inverted for the first time. So you have these amazing moments. So there's this amazing um, philosophical and psychological crossover between the two. And then the physical components are phenomenal. The ones that do CrossFit perform better on the fight side because they're stronger. Um, their engines have that extra edge when it comes to moving uh, um, weight in a foreign stimulus over you know, a period of repetition or um, you know, intervals being able to go up and down. And then those that are doing CrossFit and also doing the fight side, they develop the getting outside of the sagittal plane. They get into rotation. They start to develop a lot of more uh, musculature in more unilateral patterns and things like that. And that starts to carry over into their ability to perform um, at in an optimal level, both from injury prevention, but then also from performance. And then they also get this extra conditioning aspect of it that carries over into the fitness side. So there's a phenomenal amount of crossover and, and cross benefit between the two. And yet the most beautiful thing is if you are a high level, uh, um, no matter what it is, strongman, CrossFit, whatever it is, and you feel like you've got that on lockdown, the first time you come over to the fight side, you're going to feel like a fish out of water and you're going to feel wrecked. And then if you're this high level fighter that, you know, oh, I can, you know, spar nonstop for an hour and I'll do, you know, bag work and all these things. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a phenom. And then you go over to the CrossFit side, you're a fish out of water and you're wrecked. And so it's really phenomenal to see how if you learn first and foremost what your goals are. And then if your goal finds you in a place where you can meaningfully work both sides, you really do create, you know, for, for lack of a better uh, term to not be as cliche, but you really do create, create a holistic training methodology where, you know, I can perform and move weight and I can move and jump and bounce and fight and roll and manipulate other people. And, you know, physically uh, it, it's, it's quite fascinating. So I would say the biggest um, when I started, I did Krav Maga first and then got into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu shortly after that. Um, and then I uh, trained at Rogue Fitness before they were the, you know, the multi-billion dollar amazing organization that they are. 
um, back when they were a gym. And that's when I got into CrossFit was uh, later that year, later in 2008, I got into CrossFit at Rogue. And I started realizing that about a month after I started doing CrossFit, I was outlasting everybody on the mats. Um, I was outlasting everybody on the mats and I was a lot stronger than them. Um, and so there was that huge carry over there. And then I also started to realize uh, when I was at Rogue and we were doing um, some workouts that had that conditioning edge to it, a little more body weight stuff, pull-ups, um, anytime you got out of the sagittal plane, uh, I was, I was, you know, able to edge that experience on my side in those areas. And I felt a lot more comfortable when the, when the weird shit started coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, so like even, you know, you look back, even the, the history of the CrossFit games, you know, every year for a while, they would introduce like one new thing. And, you know, so when they came out with like the sledgehammers, um, you know, like the banger back in the day that wasn't anything new for us. We, you know, on the fight side, we'd been using sledgehammers to hit tires for months. You know what I mean? And so it was like, Oh man, we're already good at this. I already have this under my belt. And, uh, when you started, uh, you know, carrying like the slug and, or pushing the slug or carrying the snail and all like the, the weird sandbag shit they started doing, it was like, well, shit, man, I got to do double legs and pick up bodies and carry them places and slam them down anyway. So like I already had that edge. So yeah, it, it Every time they added a new movement, we were a lot more, the fighters were a lot more comfortable there because we've spent either time directly doing that movement or doing things similarly. And our bodies were a little more adaptable getting outside of what would be that traditional sagittal plane type training. So that's my long winded explanation of no, the I, amazing benefits I, of crossing them together. <laughs> Dude, I love that. And one of the things that immediately stuck out to me when you were speaking to both of those uh, subjects were the, was the fact that it sounds like they humble each other. You know, it sounds mm -hmm. like, you know, and that's so important for both fighters and fitness enthusiasts to constantly be challenged, you know, and you know, again, part of my story, you know, quote unquote, growing up was, you know, that I have to be the best at everything I can do. And so that's something that, you know, even my small experience in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and things like that have always humbled me because it's like, wow, I am always the student, you know, <laughs> and, uh, mm -hmm. and it's funny how you can go from feeling like you're on top of the world and say the fitness game, for instance, like you were mentioning, and then go over to the fight side and realize like, oh man, like I'm not, a lot of this is not really applicable. Um, like a lot of like, like unfunctional training that like the classic bodybuilding styles and stuff like that. Um, do you have any specific, I know we mentioned the steel mace before, but do you have mm -hmm. any specific tools that you like to use to foster functional strength? And also what do you feel what role do you feel functional strength plays in today's world? Do you feel like it's more important than a lot of that unconventional um, aesthetic training that you see in bodybuilding? Yeah, that's, uh, uh, here's the thing. The vision and the goal of whoever the individual is will, in my opinion and in my experience, should play the largest role in what their training methodology is. And... I say that and it's, it, it, you know, to somebody listening in, that might seem obvious. However, because again, in my experience, most people either don't completely, uh, uh, or have yet to completely explore what their real goals are and why they have those goals. Um, they, they don't really know where to start. And then even if they do have that on lockdown, 
the navigating the fitness industry as somebody that is newer to it um, can be difficult. Uh, you know, so on the first side of that, where I say that their their training goals is what should drive their training methodology, is that what do you really want? So if somebody comes to me and says, you know, hey, um, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay, well, what's 10 pounds to you? Well, uh, you know, th this is actually one that just happened to me last week. Um, well, you know, uh, before I had my kid, I weighed, you know, I was 10 pounds lighter. Oh, okay, so you want to get back to pre-baby weight. Yes. Okay, well, you know, why is pre-baby weight so important? Well, before I had my kid, I felt like I had energy and, you know, I, you know, I moving around my body felt a lot better. Okay, so if we're if we really dive into this, it's not so much that you want to lose 10 pounds, it's that you want to feel better, move better, increase your energy. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, cool. So the 10 pounds is what we thought the goal was because you were associating that 10 pounds back to a way that you used to feel before. Now that we know that that's not really the main goal and we have something a little more meaningful that we can build some metrics and things off of, now we have a better jump off point. However, if you are to go to most fitness individuals and say, I wanna lose 10 pounds and, and, and that's it, that's just where we leave the goal. Well, there's a lot of different ways to lose 10 pounds. Some of them might be good. Some of them might be terrible for you. So that first piece of the puzzle, really, really knowing what you want out of your training experience, what your goals are, you know, what's your vision, where do you want to be in five or 10 years, and how does fitness play into that, to me, becomes the most important. And then after that, once I have that, you know, I have a little better direction when I go to navigate everything that goes on in fitness. Um, you know, if you want to feel better, look better, move better, and you get that from doing Zumba because you enjoy dancing and your friends do it, and and it's like I I don't care. <laughs> like that, if you feel good, like it, you know, if if you genuinely enjoy it and it's keeping you active and you're healthy and and there's more than just quote unquote, losing 10 pounds in it, then go for it. That training methodology works because it's, you're getting joy out of it. Um, you know, it's moving you towards where you want to be living a happier, healthier life. Now, if you come to me and you say, you know, Hey, uh, you know, I need to lose 10 pounds. Like, okay. Well, why do you need to lose 10 pounds? Well, you know, currently I weigh 185 and I want to fight in the 175 division. Oh, okay. Well now we have a legitimate number we have to hit for something specific that's going to you know it's going to train it's going to change your training methodology mm -hmm. so i start there with anybody like what's the real intention behind your training goals you know what do you want for most people man they want to feel good look good um, um you know they want to feel comfortable in their own skin they want to live happier healthier lives well there's a lot of ways to skin that cat if you're looking at a. Uh, uh, which, if you really think about it, that's such a terrible quote. There's a lot of those. <laughs> There's a lot of those in our world. <laughs> but anyway. Like kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> exactly. All of a sudden, I got, I got Mark England like chirping in my ear. Yeah. It's just like, you know, do you really want to skin a cat? Damn yeah. it. No, yeah. I don't. Anyway. Damn you, um, vocabulary. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, once for most people, if you want to live a happier, healthier life, have more energy move around well then really you know uh, um, true quote unquote functional fitness is going to come down to 
um, being able to move your own body weight through standard functional things and functional range of motion without injury um, and preferably pain free. Uh, be able to move foreign objects, so pick up your kids, move things, put things on shelves, whatever, um, and then, you know, handle and manage and stay safe, right? And so that's going to come down to, like, be able to, to run and jog certain things, be able to swim, be able to pick up odd objects and move them, um, you know, be able to get through full range of motion. So, you know, in, in my opinion and in my experience, you know, you could go, you know, today I'm going to go drag a sled for a mile and that's my workout. And, you know, tomorrow I'm going to, uh, take a sandbag and lift it up into my truck and push it out of my truck and lift it up into my truck and push it out of my truck. And you can take all of these things and create a, a gym quote unquote setting and stimulus to them. However, if the objective is more about functionality, it, it's going to come into more of those things. Uh, I, I'm reading a book right now for the third time called Natural Born Heroes um, by uh, Andy McDougall. And there's a whole section in there about natural movement and things like that, which is it's a fascinating thing. But I just love the quote he has in there, which is just two words. It's just be useful. Mm. And so, you know, in your training methodology, if if your goal is life, to live life better, then you're going to be hard pressed to find a person that's not going to feel good about themselves and also aesthetically look good with the ability to run and play with their kids, pick stuff up, move it, perform, you know, random feats, go swimming when they're at the ocean, you know, for a longer period of time without feeling wrecked, um, you know, be able to play games, uh, be able to, to fix something in their house, which is going to involve them moving lumber and all that, like to be able to functionally do shit. And, and all of that stuff is going to make you look really fucking good too. Mm -hmm. So now, uh, uh, you know, can somebody who cleans 350 pounds on a barbell, uh, transfer that strength into something functional? Sure. But I also believe there's a lot of limitations okay. to, to having a single minded platform to that. So, you know, again, um, in my boiling this down and in understand your goals genuinely understand your goals and then create training around that and for most people in my opinion they're where they where it gets convoluted is they want to live happier healthier lives feel better look good naked you know feel sexy with their loved one um, um things like that and the world has told them that it's around these quote-unquote fitness trends mm -hmm. so you gotta you know well runners are in good shape well are they really uh, you know, CrossFit, you know, they're in good shape. Look how sexy those people are. It's like, okay, well, yeah, but it's the top 1%. And then on top of that, like, please just understand that you're working in sagittal plane and you might get injured in the process and you know, understand those limitations. So it, it's, if you really want to move well, live a happier life, be pain free, then your training should manipulate that. Um, so... <laughs> To bring it back to how do I train, um, you know, I, I, I make sure I know where my head's at. My biggest goal right now, Ryan, is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And so I, I make it in my training schedule, I make it an absolute point to be on the mats a minimum of three hours a week, um, you know, working specifically on that. So either rolling or drilling, jumping into classes. Um, and that's a minimum of three hours per week. I like to get four or five if I can. Um, and then 
I allow my fitness side of things, the strength, you know, quote unquote fitness side, the strength conditioning, things like that. I really, um, to be completely honest, I have fun with it. I like it to be challenging. Um, and I have found that when I, when I play intensely, I am in the best shape and it ties better into what I do. So, um, I haven't touched a barbell in, well, other than teaching and coaching and demonstrating movements, I haven't touched a barbell in five months. Um, I've been spending a lot of time playing with kettlebells, playing with mace, using band bells, so the bamboo bars, mm-hmm. um, drag, yeah, dragon sleds, playing with atlas stones, um, just trying to get real creative and fun with it. And uh, but in in to me, that's I'm I'm really playing. Like I go into a training session to have fun. Um, and I make it as challenging and, and have as much intense fun as I possibly can. Um, however, I just I have a shit ton of fun. Uh, the other day, for example, so I've been using Whoop, like tracks all your calories yep. and sleep and all that, that type of stuff. And uh, the other day, man, I, I swung around from a pull-up bar doing like monkey switches, switching hands and things like that. And then I would do a heavy uh, front rack single arm kettlebell carry. And then I would do a really heavy um uh kettlebell waddle so like both hands hold it and they waddle your ass you know however far and then i swang a heavy ass mace for 360s and then i would jump over a box land in a sprint and take off into a sprint just real short like a, a five meter type deal and uh i did a cycle of that after that picked up some uh some atlas stones and like did single arm push presses with them and then did you know a couple of bar muscle ups and shit like that and the reason I'm like laying this all out is because I, I dicked around and played for 45 minutes and I burned 900 calories. So like, that's awesome. you know, so, yeah. So like somebody that's like, you know, you look like you're just having fun and randomly dragging shit from here to there. And it's like, well, yeah, like these are all things I might have to do. Like if I can take an Atlas stone and push press it, you know, uh, a 76 pound Atlas stone and push press it, then for me, like direct correlation and carryover, uh, you know, I take my kids and throw them up in the air all the time. Well, if I can do that with 76 pounds, then all of a sudden me doing it with my, you know, 40 pound kid, uh, means directly transfers into the fact that I can play with my kid longer and I can pick them up and move them here. And, you know, when I'm at the house moving bags of dirt and, and, and shoveling sand to work on landscaping and fix the house up, like that's all functional shit. So for me, I want all of my fitness and strength conditioning right now, uh, to tie specifically into better quality of life and fighting and, I've found that in barbell work in the past, um, but you know, and I should say, right now I've I've transferred into more of that type of movement. So, man, in in my in my twelve years of doing this full time in this industry, I have guinea pigged with myself anywhere from three to six months at a time, doing nothing but Olympic weightlifting, nothing but traditional CrossFit, nothing but fighting, nothing but kettlebells. Um, I've done the same thing with my nutrition. I've really allowed myself to experiment and play. Um, and I'm in a place right now where I'm so happy with life that my I, I've taken all judgment off of my physical training and I just have fun. <laughs> Dude. Okay, I have, I have a lot of fun training now. I think that's the most important thing, you know, and you touched on the subject of play, which is 
something that I'm always trying, especially since quarantine and really starting, you know, the coaching business and just, you know, kind of separating the fact that work can't be fun and fun mm. can't be work and, you know, letting loose from all the dogma because, you know, I too am very similar where I'll fall into routine and I tell everyone I have an on or off switch. You know, there's no like, you know, like mediating, you know, switch on me. So, you know, if I get into something, like say I start getting into kettlebells, well, then I feel like I need to train kettlebells six days a week. And if I go off of that, then how do I know I'm going to keep the same level of fitness? So I've been trying to stop doing all that, stop, you know, zero or hundreding everything and realize that, you know, the best way to be is to be mindful of how you feel and just kind of go with how you want to train that day, you know, specifically with training. Um, but, you know, meeting you through the Enlifted Coaching Program and having watched your one-on-one with Mark regarding what you consider your biggest wins, which was an awesome friggin' call, by the way. That was fucking powerful, man. Um, Thank you. Tell us about your career in teaching active shooter training. And, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the viral video. Um, <laughs> I'd love to touch on that, man, because, you know, really what you do with active shooter training is so incredible. And I really want the listeners to be able to understand just how amazing you are at that and just how badass that video was because it's, it's really <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So the, the very first 2009 is the very first, uh, active shooter training I ever participated in. And that was as an, an end user. I was a student in that class. So I'd been in, at Ohio Crab Maga fitness for about a year. And, uh, Matt Kissel, was a uh he worked for Gehanna police department here locally and he put one on at our class he was also one of our instructors at the gym so that was my first introduction to training in that and at the time it was more focused on school shooters um because 2009 that was more of where we hadn't necessarily gotten into like this big uh overarching display of things happening openly in public the vast majority of them were either in school or workplace so it was usually referred to as school shootings or workplace violence is, is the terminology. And, uh, I was really intrigued by that. Um, you know, again, like I said, part of the reason I found Krav Maga was because I was intrigued by protecting myself and other people. Uh, I imagine because of, um, some of the upbringing, um, you know, my, my, from what I can remember, my dad hit us a little bit and things like that. I grew up in Youngstown. There was some violence in the area. And so I imagine that was on my mind protecting my family and things like that. So um, every time that Matt would put one of those on, I would either participate or help him teach it and run it. And so it became this thing that was always kind of on the back of my mind and I wanted to be, and we would do one or two of those a year. And then um, I got into another program in 2012 uh, by a guy named Rob Pincus that was more focused on actor shooter overall, but he came from the firearms world. And so I took that training and then I had taken another local one in the area. Well, fast forward to uh, 2015 and you have uh, the, the Paris attack with the Bataclan Theater and, and the other corresponding areas, the simultaneous attack in the city. And then within a very short period of time, you have San Bernardino. Mm. Well, we had been teaching some form of, you know, quote unquote, active shooter response for years. Um, and we had done it at our, at our gym, um, several times before. Well, all of a sudden everybody's starting to pay attention. And so, you know, where we were, 
once, you know, we would do maybe one or two a year. And if we were lucky, would have 15 people show up. All of a sudden, we're getting all of this attention around it. Holy shit, what would we do if this happened to us? What would we do in real life? How do we respond to this? So we put out a message into the, the Hilliard Community Boards, which is the local city that we're in. It's a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. And uh, we just put out and we said, hey, look, listen, every night uh, for the next three nights, all our, our self-defense class is completely open to the public, completely free, and we're going to talk about active shooter situations. And so we were, we had uh, just tons of people pour into these groups and it was like, oh wow, okay, people are really paying attention to this. Well then, that was after Paris. Uh, and then the, the San Bernardino happens. And so I say, okay, look, I put out into the public, we're gonna do a, uh, I believe it was a three hour training. We're gonna do a three hour training that's gonna cover everything top to bottom. It's completely free and open to the community. Well, my friend, uh, and one of our instructors at the time worked for a, a documentary company called For the Record. And uh, they were associated with The Blaze. Well, he goes, hey, man, I really want to come in and video this. Is that okay with you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So they came in. They filmed a three-hour uh, training. They came back and interviewed me the next day for probably about an hour and a half. And they compressed all of that footage into a three-minute video. And that's the video that uh, went viral. It, it got millions of views, you know, tens of thousands of shares. It, it was – it took all of us by surprise. It was the – it's the highest-watched video for the Blaze ever. It, it was a whole it – was, it was crazy. And it was – it wasn't crazy. It was sane, as Mark, as Mark would say. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, it was um, – it. we were, were showing something in a way that no one else was that touched everyone that watched it to a point that we were getting the attention of people that would have never thought about taking a self-defense class for the very first time. And we presented it in a way – that made them feel that not only did they want to be a part of it, but that they could be a part of it. And, I, and that's an important thing I've run into in the self-defense community is that a lot of the marketing, this is what got me onto the IEP stuff and wanting to change the self-defense industry, is the self-defense industry is, is heavily based on two things from a marketing standpoint, uh, in my experience. One is fear-mongering, making people fear life so much that they have to do self-defense and then the other side of things is like uh flashy techniques and and resumes and you know all that type of stuff that's those are the two primary sources of marketing in strictly self-defense programs so most people if they were to go like man i really wish i knew how i could protect myself in self-defense and then they went and looked for it they would find either somebody telling them you're gonna die if this ever happens unless you take our program which is like why the hell would i take that program <laughs> yeah right or they see this flashy video and they're like i my body can't physically do that so it literally is is shutting the door in the faces of people that were in a position where they wanted to. Well, this video, when it came out, people started to realize, like, holy shit, not only are they addressing all of these fears I have in my head, they're also doing it in a manner that I understand and that I, I, I feel I could do. Mm -hmm. And that video took off just gangbuster. 
and where where what ended up happening was we had hundreds of emails and a, a bunch of phone calls asking for us to come run these seminars in their areas. Well, we had never traveled with this seminar before. And being the, uh, uh, you know, slightly uh, ego-driven and knowledgeable and passionate individual that I am, the very first phone call that was like, hey, uh, I run a university in Oregon and we want to bring you guys out to train our entire staff. Do you do this? My answer was, we absolutely do that. (laughs) 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 And uh, so that started, um, that started 2016. That started our, our adventure into taking this bigger. And this is what's fascinating, Ryan, is so in 2016, I tell people this all the time. In 2016, I taught more than 80 seminars, uh, seminars or workshops in active shooter response in one year. Um, and that's me. That, that doesn't include the other probably 20 or 30 that some of my staff members uh, did for me. And it, 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 it was a beautiful thing because we, we committed to doing it. We were insanely passionate about it. And the most important thing was that because every week, every week of that year, I taught at least one. Um, several times we would teach anywhere from like three to five in a week. Some days we taught two to three in a day. We saw tens of thousands of real life people. I'm talking age 11, um, which her name was Ava. She's the youngest one we ever had go through our courses. Her name is uh, Ava, age 11. Holy badass. All the way to 91. I had a can I had a 91 year old guy in Kentucky that refused to sit back and watch the seminar. He insisted on participating. And I'm talking like we're fighting over guns, tackling bad guys, putting on tourniquets. Um, Yeah, it was crazy. So we had tens of thousands of people that could directly and immediately give us feedback. And feedback in the regard of like, I don't understand this, explain it better. Feedback in the regard of uh, uh, their facial expressions, how you could see them uh, uh, reacting to certain things. Feedback from like specific questions. I'm a teacher. I'm in charge of 20 kids. How would I apply this concept into that situation? Um, you know, I, uh, uh, I'm the caregiver for, you know, my grandmother who's in a wheelchair. How would I take care of that situation? Um, direct feedback in how they responded to drills. You know, we had ideas on drills. Like, hey, we want to do this drill. And we would do it. And we would go, oh, shit, that didn't work. Uh, so, you know, we got to figure that out. And so we were caught, I mean, we spent an entire year focusing on one topic and evolving and taking people's feedback and taking people's drills. And I went and took a bunch of other seminars and classes and the video that everybody saw and, and, you know, is still often passed around today looks almost unrecognizable to what the finished product was at the end of 2016 because we had tens of thousands of people helping us develop the program Mm. and uh throughout that entire experience it was in my opinion the first time that we removed the expert quote unquote from the equation the guy sitting back behind a table going this is what's best for everybody and instead, we involved everyone in the development of the program. And, uh, um, you know, yeah, we were putting the stuff together and curating it. 
you know, however, every single seminar we ran, somebody gave us feedback until we, we started getting something where everybody went, you know, and, and, and I would damn near say without getting into binary language, but every single person would go, that was incredible. This touched me, this touched me. And it, we finally hit that point where it was, it was impacting everyone. Um, and the finished, you know, quote unquote product, the finished, uh, um, program was a comprehensive concept-based look on taking responsibility for your own safety. And that responsibility was broken up into, you know, we, we take away all of our tools, we take away all of our resources, and we take away all of the backup. And how do I build a foundation of self-protection on me? my standards, my context, my physical ability. And then once we strip away all of the other stuff, how do I take the concepts of what's available to me? So what happens before the event? What happens during the event? What happens long after the event? And from all of that, how then do I focus on my biggest gaps? And so we, we were able to guide people through a physical hands-on training that walked them through preparation for before the event, uh, the possibilities and options during the event, the immediate um, law enforcement response, medical care, um, you know, that situation after. And then most importantly, and this uh, uh, again was something that people weren't doing, how do I cope uh, uh, and how do I address the stories afterwards? you know, the, the long-term trauma of it. And we were the first ones to put out this comprehensive look at it in a way that people could digest. It wasn't just throwing a bunch of shit at them and saying, you know, well, hopefully some of this sticks or, well, yeah, you know, well, don't worry, law enforcement's coming to protect you. It was like, look, man, you're on your own and that's okay. Let's look at your physical abilities. Let's look at how you can prepare for it and lay it out. And so, you know, 2016, you know, I taught 80, uh, uh, it ended up being like 85, 83 or 85. It was more than 80. Um, and then we kept teaching them into 2017. In 2017, I decided to write the book, um, How to Survive an Active Killer, An Honest Look at Your Role in the Age of Mass Violence. And uh, I took everything that we learned, put it into a book. I shared uh, a bunch of excerpts during the production of the book and where people were giving feedback and I would, you know, move it there. So they were involved in that as well. And what ended up being the finished product of that was this, this book, um, that people helped create. Um, and so it was specifically written on, I kid you not, I specifically wrote it on a sixth and seventh grade reading level, um, so that it could be comprehended by almost anybody. Uh, and it was, it, it's, it's been fascinating. And so then we've taken that in the last year and a half to two years, We've taken that to um, out of, of specifically just the communities. And what we started realizing in 2018 was all of a sudden the businesses started catching on and the schools started opening up and, and catching on to the fact that they needed to look at how they were approaching it differently. And then so we started moving into that space and talking to people about how to build and, and teach their people to be responsible that way. And, um, you know, that's been, it's been a fascinating journey all the way to the point where I'm, I'm right now working on a project with, um, 
uh, a program called Disability Empowerment here in Ohio that works with people with disabilities and how to build uh, personal protection plans for themselves um, with their disabilities, uh, which is is an amazing project that I'm I'm super geeking out about. <laughs> so. Dude. Uh, yeah, it's been a fascinating, fascinating journey, and uh, we we created a massive shift in the in the training industry on how you approach these things, um, and we continue to do that, and it's it's very exciting stuff. You know, it it really resonates with me too because, like you said, you know, keeping things on a sixth or seventh grade reading level, and that's so important because I think a lot of people, or take out the think, what people do is they try to overcomplicate, or they don't try, they they overcomplicate things unconsciously because they they think right that that's what's going to lead to success, but in reality, if you want to affect you know different groups of people and you know essentially everyone, you have to make it easily comprehensible. And, you know, one thing that was immediately apparent after meeting you in Lifted and then digging into your background was that you truly embody the archetype of the leader. What would you say the catalyst or catalysts in your life have been that launched you into that role in each endeavor you take on in life? Mm. Yeah. Um, (laughs) If you... uh, I'm unaware if you've seen uh, my level one call with Mark... Um, I know he shared it in the in the coaches community a while back. However, um, I had for a very long time one of the stories that I had told myself was that I I wasn't good enough. I had a very big issue with confidence, um, and I, I specifically described it as as I got older, I could not I could not see myself as older I could not see myself as experienced I constantly saw myself as uh, an amateur uh, 17 18 year old kid and that thought stuck with me for a very long time and and Ryan I'm talking I'm about to stand in front of you know 150 people and explain to him to them how they stay alive when somebody's trying to murder them with with no cause or action and as I'm walking up to the podium, I'm telling myself, you know, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Like, you are not, you, you're not the person to do this. And I battled that for a really long time. And what was really interesting is I, I was aware of that sensation. What I was unaware of for a long time, uh, previous to the story work and and the Strong Coach program and the Enlifted program, was that I also uh, had an amazing ability to uh, appreciate spite. And anytime anybody told me I couldn't do something, <laughs> my my inferiority or my superiority complex would come in, and uh, I would say, "Well, I'll show you." <laughs> and so. The, the negative self-talk also uh, um, made me act brazen um, or, or warranted the, the comfort in acting brazen. Uh, at some point in my life, I must have realized that, uh, you know, I was destined to do great things and the best way to do it is just dive in and figure it out. And, and if, I'm not, if, I'm, if I'm not a professional, then who the hell needs to act like a professional, right? Mm-hmm. So... That actually, you know, as crazy as that uh, may sound to somebody from the outside, my 
severe internal issue with confidence was the exact reason that I constantly was proving to everybody else uh, uh, that, you know, I'm that guy, I'm a badass, I'm, I have the answers and, and things like that. So it was my insecurity that drove me to face out as probably the, uh, uh, not probably, as what <laughs> was depicted as this uh, crazy leader. And um, I was blessed by that. My spite, you know, it's it's interesting as you go through and lifted, right? Because we talk about, you know, well, negative self-talk can get you pretty damn far. It's it's it, the question is how far and when is it going to come back to bite you in the ass? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> so my 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 negative self-talk, my issues with my father, my spite against my father, um, my issues with uh, the way people treated me. You know, I was really young getting into this industry, so a lot of people kind of like you know look, gave me a side eye when I was the guy running the class. And, uh, you know, that fueled me and it fueled me for, you know, what I believe now are the wrong reasons. However, at the time it, it allotted me to step into the, to the limelight a lot. And I matured a lot through that process. Um, and I, uh, I learned on the job is essentially what it was. And I, I, I was unaware I was learning on the job. I was unaware I was gaining maturity in those areas. I was unaware I was learning certain lessons um, until I really had an opportunity to start looking back at the past. And I would say that happened about two years before I met Mark. And then after Mark and in lifted vocabulary, strong coach, I really started to understand what fueled me and what got me there and, and, and address those things. So, why did I step out into leadership? Because uh, I was utterly convinced I wasn't good enough to do it, and I wanted to essentially uh, show myself that you're a dumb asshole and I can, <laughs> I can do this. Um, yeah. So my my hatred for my own internal dialogue is what pushed me out there, um, and then I believe a lot of good lessons growing up. You know, I had a really my grandfather I mentioned earlier. You know, I watched him excel and do the hard work and work hard and 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 a lot of my work ethic came from from him and my mother and i used that work ethic to make up where anybody told me i wasn't good enough including myself so uh i'm in a lot more (laughs) i'm in a significantly healthier internal place now (laughs) uh with that same passion uh, however, you know, that, that a lot of, you know, a lot of not wanting to be my father and not wanting to be looked down on and, and, uh, my lack of confidence, uh, really fueled me to, to, to jump out in front and really put myself on blast, uh, to figure out if I was good enough for it. Uh, you know, I really resonate with a lot of that because I wholeheartedly agree that pretty much my driving factor most of my life was my negative self-talk and then you know proving to myself like you know you can do this but it wasn't really in a healthy way and vocabulary and lifted definitely brought that to the surface as well and I also agree wholeheartedly once again with you that it will fuel you fuel you but for how long until the wheels fall off you know yeah and oh, yeah you know dude you know we're gonna have to do a round two of this you know you're going to Mark's you're going you're going to Mark's uh, this weekend right correct dude so I'm actually, I actually went out and bought some podcasting gear so I can bring this on the road. So I'm bringing the podcast gear to Mark's. So depending on how our journey is down there, uh, maybe we can record part two down there. But, you know, dude, 
Aaron, this has been an absolutely awesome episode, brother. I have so many more questions to ask you, too, and I can't wait to dive into them. Um, where can people go to learn more about you and get in touch with you? Yeah, man. Um, first and foremost, uh, thank you. It, it's you, I've done a lot of podcast interviews, uh, <laughs> and I, 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 am, I absolutely love your questions, and I'm, I'm excited to dive even further into this stuff, and, and I'm really excited for this weekend to get to know a lot of these people on a deeper level, so I'm I'm looking Same. forward to it, man, and and part two will be epic. Hell yeah, um, man! Part one's epic already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anybody who wants to find me, um, you're gonna find primarily. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Janetti Aaron. So it's actually backwards: J A N N E T T I A A R O N. Um, I primarily float on uh, Instagram. That's where you're gonna find the majority of my content. Um, and then you can go to AaronGenetti.com as well. And then anybody who wants to check out the gym, um, follow any of the programs from the gym, uh, you'll find us pretty much everywhere at Endeavor DCF. Um, so that's E-N-D-E-A-V-O-R, D as in dog, C as in cat, F as in fish. So that's Endeavor DCF on Instagram, Endeavor DCF on Facebook, EndeavorDCF.com. Um, you know, you'll find all of our stuff there. Um, and then if you want to check out the book, you can check out the book at How to Survive an Active Killer. Um, that's on Amazon. I have a podcast, Drew Dillon and I did for a couple of years, um, called the Kamiwaza Podcast, K-A-M-I-W-A-Z-A. You're welcome to check that stuff out. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything you need to know about me. That's awesome, man. And, <laughs> you know, Aaron, I always like to end each interview with the same question, and that is yep. this. If someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life, what would you suggest that change be? Mm, damn that's a really 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 good question thanks brother uh i'm gonna give you minimum effective dose mm -hmm. and that is going to be uh uh language mm -hmm. right? i mean the the understanding and learning the fundamentals of, of language if you want to do one thing right now and you can send this out to mark and he can pat me on the back for promoting him <laughs> but i would invest in core language upgrade um the online course and start the journey of understanding how powerful your language is. Um, yeah, hands down. The impact this that that language, uh, uh, even before all of the deep stuff we've been doing in the Enlifted Procabulary Certs, the impact the language lessons had on my life as a, a, a father, a coach, a person, a husband uh, was. I, I would have invested thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into that very, very, very very affordable course so there you have it core language upgrade start your journey day one uh, and understand how powerful language is hell yeah brother i totally agree with that and that's actually pretty much the first tip i tell every one of my clients is you, know, you have to look at the language so i couldn't agree more yeah okay guys it's not every day i meet someone who is so well versed in life yet easy to talk to and more than happy to chat with anyone who is interested in one of the various subjects he is passionate about just writing his intro was hilarious in that I had to keep narrowing it down and barely even got to touch on all the accomplishments he has taken part in throughout his life. Do yourself a favor right now and go give him a follow and keep up with him because I have no doubt that he's just getting started with the impact he plans to make on the world. Aaron, thank you so much for stopping by the Highly Optimized Podcast. Round two is coming soon and I can't wait to meet you in 3D next week. And until next time, may the journey of your life be smooth, exciting, and full of love. Namaste, brother. Mm, thank you, my man.
What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.